I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is an apostrophe podcast production. is We Regret to Inform You, The Rejection Podcast. We actors are a fragile bunch, and yet we need to be strong because 90% of our lives is rejection. Sandra O. Oh. When Sandra O. Oh was a little girl... She had a little problem. As she learned to walk, her parents noticed something off about her feet. She was pigeon-toed. So at age four, they enrolled their daughter in ballet classes, hoping it would straighten out the problem. Well, they were right. But to their surprise, it did much more than that. O says she instantly fell in love with dancing. And at that young age decided pirouetting professionally could be her ultimate path. By eight years old, it came time to apply to formal ballet academies. But as she looked around at the other budding ballerinas, she says she realized in her heart of hearts that she wasn't as talented as they were. That despite now having front-facing toes, she wasn't a prime candidate for a professional school or company. So before even reaching double digits, a disappointed Sandra O oh hung up her slippers. 
A short while later, her parents took her and her siblings to see the musical Annie at the National Arts Center in Ottawa, Ontario. And O couldn't believe her eyes. She said even from the nosebleeds, she started to feel the fire reignite within her. The little girls on stage were her age. And that's when she realized performing could mean a variety of things beyond ballet. When the curtain came down, O told her parents whatever those girls were doing, she wanted to do it too. Sandra O oh was born in Nepean, Ontario, a suburb of Ottawa in the early 70s. Her parents had immigrated from South Korea 10 years prior in search of better opportunities for themselves and their imminent family. Above all else, O oh says the pair valued education, hard work, and one being of service to the greater society. So, her father became an economist and her mother a biochemist both well-accomplished in their respective fields, and together, they had three children. As O entered her tween years, she started trying out for plays at school and landing parts. Her very first play was called The Canada Goose. By high school, she joined the drama club, then took her interests off school grounds. She and her older sister started writing plays at home and putting on living room productions for their parents and brother. Her sister says that, quote, Sandy's always been a big personality and loved making people laugh. O joined Ottawa comedy troops and participated in the Canadian Improv Games, where thousands of high school students from across the country compete in improv to sharpen their comedy chops. She started getting cast in local industrial films and cable shows. Ottawa being a bilingual city, there were opportunities for both English and French versions, which meant double the exposure and double the pocket change. In school, O was a high achiever. In fact, the minimum grade she'd accept for herself on assignments was 90%. Any lower, and she'd have to be consoled not only by her friends, but her teachers as well. Luckily, it was rare. In 1989, she graduated high school as an A student, president of her class, and with an offer for a four-year scholarship at Ottawa's Carleton University to study journalism. Through watching their daughter perform over the past eight years in what they deemed to be a growing phase or hobby, her parents had come to understand that she was a gifted speaker. So, a degree in journalism would be a respectable route to a career in politics. Politicians required education, hard work, and were of service to the greater society. But their daughter had other plans. She decided to turn down the four-year scholarship and inform her parents she would instead be applying to acting school. In 2007, Sandra Oh told Ellen DeGeneres that in the household she grew up in, a career in the arts was considered about one step above prostitution. First of all, Acting wasn't understood to contribute anything of substance to society. 
arts and entertainment was an unfamiliar world for her parents. What they did know about it was that it was very unstable and insecure financially. And beyond that, in the 70s and 80s, O says there were very few Asian role models in Hollywood, which only added to the improbability of their daughter becoming successful. They feared she'd face racism and rejection. O says those concerns were all valid, and it's a difficult thing for anyone outside the second-generation immigrant community to fully comprehend. She knew her parents loved her and wanted to protect her by offering her the fruits of their sacrifice on a silver platter. So naturally, she wanted to make them proud, as she watched her two siblings do by entering into respectable fields like law and medicine. But on the other hand, she says she knew if she didn't give acting a real try, she'd never forgive herself. So she made a pitch to her parents. She told them she wanted to give the arts a go. And if she failed, she'd return to the original academic plan at a proper university. They held a family council meeting and tried to persuade her to at least go the academic route first. But O had already made up her mind. She was going to theater school. Her parents declined to pay her tuition. O set her sights on the theater capital of the world, New York City. She found a drama school in Manhattan and sent in an application. But Sandra O was rejected. So she decided to reel in her Broadway aspirations and narrow her search a little closer to home. She applied to Concordia University's theater program. At least there, she'd be handed a formal degree on a commencement stage, a potential bargaining chip for her parents. But Concordia rejected O as well. She then applied to the National Theater School of Canada in Quebec, She was asked to prepare a scene from Macbeth, and amazingly, she was accepted. So, she left home for the first time and traveled two hours to Montreal. O found herself a small apartment downtown, wedged in between the two best bagel joints in the city. She says she was broke, but she threw herself into classes, cutting her teeth in productions like Three Sisters and Mad Forest. Then one day, she got a phone call from her sister. Her sister had spotted an ad in the newspaper seeking a young Asian actress for a film role, and she thought O would be perfect for the part. The film was called The Diary of Evelyn Lau. It was a CBC, or Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, biopic about the life of Canadian novelist and poet Evelyn Lau. Lau endured a dark and difficult period in her teen years. She'd run away from home and ended up living on the street, addicted to heroin and turning to sex work for survival. All of which became fodder for her debut novel, a diary chronicling that period in her life, which went on to become a bestseller, earning Lau critical acclaim. Oh wanted desperately to play that lead role, So the 21-year-old hopped a late-night train from Montreal to Toronto to audition at an open casting call. Little did she know, 
3,000 other Asian actresses from across North America were also headed to Toronto that day. When O arrived in Toronto, she slept the rest of the night at the bus station. The next morning, she found a public park to do her vocal warm-ups, then made her way to the CBC studio. When she got there, she knew she needed to get in the zone. So after introducing herself to the film's producers, she asked if she could please just have a few minutes to breathe and focus. They said, of course, take your time. So O proceeded to lie down on the floor, right there in the audition room, in front of everyone in charge of casting. A minute went by, then two, then five long minutes passed of watching this unknown actress from Ottawa belly breathe on the carpet. One Globe and Mail writer wrote, It was either crazy or courageous, or perhaps both. After 10 solid minutes of uncomfortable glances between the director and producers, O stood up and delivered her audition lines. Flawlessly. And right then and there, despite 3,000 other hopefuls waiting in the wings, who didn't sleep in a bus station the night before, who weren't in baggy overalls, and who didn't lie on the floor for 10 minutes straight, Sandra O oh landed the part. The film's director said O oh stood out from the beginning. He said she had tremendous emotional accessibility and a steely inner core. He also liked that she had improv training. They began filming almost immediately, and overnight, Sandra O oh became a leading lady in a national film. If her parents had thought a career in the arts was akin to prostitution, one could only imagine how they'd feel about a role that quite literally involved prostitution. O says she couldn't bring herself to tell her parents about the film. Instead, she had her sister do the talking. In 1993, The Diary of Evelyn Lau premiered. The movie made its way into the TV guide in their hometown, and some of her parents' friends and fellow churchgoers had flicked on the film to see what the youngest O daughter was up to. Well, they were horrified, and many went so far as to cut contact with the O family. But there was a small screening in Toronto, so her parents made the trip and sat in the audience. And that day, despite their scandalized friends, O says it seemed to dawn on her parents that there was a true sense of worth in what she was doing, that it was meaningful to her and maybe even meaningful to the greater society. That year, O was nominated for Best Lead Actress at the Gemini Awards, which are the Canadian equivalent of the Emmys, and she won Best Actress at the FIPA Cannes Film Festival. In 1993, O graduated from the National Theatre School of Canada. The artistic director at the school called her a force of nature. He said she arrived with zero tools, but she left with killer instincts, a certain watchability factor that made her magnetic. The diary of Evelyn Lau plucked O from obscurity, 
but once she graduated, she had the all-too-relatable moment of, now what? Luckily, a fellow actor from the film pulled her aside one day and showed her a script she'd been working on. It told the story of a 22-year-old Asian woman who wanted to become a theater actress, but was caught between her parents' traditional values and her own modern goals. Sound familiar? There was no question as to why O oh would be perfect for the leading role, and she accepted the part instantly. The movie was called Double Happiness and was filmed in Vancouver, BC. It would become O's second starring role and would earn her a Genie Award. Think Canadian Oscars for Best Actress. And with that, O was on a roll. Except being on a roll in Canada was a tricky place to be. O says that the great thing about Canada was that someone who looked like her could be a leading lady. But at the same time, even the biggest films up north were budget films compared to the U.S. And because the financial ceiling was so low, it was almost impossible to make a real living as an actor in Canada. Without its own star system, Canada was at the mercy of the American film industry. So she made a decision. Though she loved Canada, she decided to take a leap of faith and follow the opportunities. She hopped a flight to Los Angeles, but she'd soon learn Hollywood had a ceiling of its own. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Sandra Oh landed in Los Angeles in 1995 with a certificate from the National Theatre School of Canada and a resume peppered with leading roles. She felt good, so she started booking meetings with agencies in the hopes they'd sign her and help her get into the right rooms. But her first meeting went something like this. Oh walked in, sat down, and handed over her resume when the agent stopped her right there and said, Listen, I'm not going to lie. I already have an Asian actress on my roster, and she hasn't auditioned in six months. So I don't know what I could do for you. Then the agent proceeded to suggest Oh get plastic surgery if she ever wanted a shot at a lead character. The conversation wasn't about her talent or her acting background. It was about her racial background. And O says that fact was so painful. All she wanted was for someone to watch her reel and say, I believe I can get you one audition. But instead, she was met with instant rejection. She says that day, she started questioning everything. If that agent was, in fact, just being honest... Did that mean other agents were going to lie to her? If this person who knew more than she did was telling her the truth, should she listen? She walked out of the agency and stumbled into a phone booth where she called her friend, the director of the Diary of Evelyn Lau, and she started sobbing. She says that agent's words just cut her at her knees. Over the following year, O starved while she tried to find an agent and land a role in Hollywood. But by some miracle, likely sheer force of will, she managed to find one agent who was willing to take her on. And that agent got her in front of the producers for a new HBO show called Arliss. Arliss was a sitcom about the head of a sports agency who would do anything for his very famous clients. They were looking to cast the role of the head agent's whip-smart personal assistant. So O went in to audition. And before she knew it, she was cast in her very first Los Angeles production. Over the course of the series, Arliss was cancelled, then renewed, twice. But throughout her time on the series, she was nominated for an NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Performance by a Woman of Color and the New York Times called her as indispensable to the show as her character is to her boss. She now had a semi-steady gig on which she could build the rest of her resume. Days off were spent auditioning. At this point, O was 25 years old, and she started noticing that the few jobs she was being put up for were specifically seeking Asian actresses. Yet, She saw no reason why the fact she was of Korean heritage had to be central to every single one of her characters' plotlines. So she made it a point to strive for characters that weren't necessarily Asian, but simply compelling and three-dimensional. Unfortunately, the characters with such depth were lead roles, and in Hollywood, lead roles were rarely given to Asian actors. It was very difficult for her to get into the room. She booked some small or one-off parts, 
but she says the ceiling for Asian actors was just so low. On top of the typical actor critiques like you're not attractive enough or thin enough, people of color were trapped under a whole other layer of rejection. Of white filmmakers not wanting someone who doesn't look like them to represent their ideas. All that constant rejection cultivated a perfect breeding ground for depression. If she ever slipped and began comparing herself to a white actress, O says it would be the death of her. In 1997, O landed her very first film on U.S. soil. It was a small part in the Mr. Bean movie, starring comedy legend Rowan Atkinson. From a comedic perspective, she says it was an incredibly rich learning experience, one she still treasures to this day. In 2001, she was cast in a one-off role on Six Feet Under, where she was billed as a, quote, porn starlet who gives a weepy eulogy at a friend's funeral. Later that same year, she landed a single scene as Vice Principal Gupta in The Princess Diaries with Anne Hathaway and the great Julie Andrews. The part was tiny, but when director Gary Marshall told O to, quote, go make it funny, they loved what she did and ended up writing her character into several scenes throughout the movie. Vice Principal Gupta became a scene-stealer with some of the most quoted lines of the entire film. In 2002, she landed another teacher role in the film Big Fat Liar, starring Frankie Muniz. But while all these films and television shows were big productions, O was nothing more than a day player. Eight years after moving to Los Angeles, and she still wasn't landing the meaty roles she craved. Something had to change. The following year, O celebrated her 32nd birthday, and she made a pact with herself. She would no longer accept the roles of characters who were not central tellers of the story. This was a big decision, because she was an actor without the certainty of where her next paycheck might come from. Turning down peripheral roles would mean turning down rent money. But what it would also mean was freeing herself from the parts that played into Asian stereotypes or the roles that were unlikely to further her career. And with that decision, things started to shift. In 2003, Oh was cast in the supporting role of the pregnant best friend to star Diane Lane in Under the Tuscan Sun. Roger Ebert said O gave the wonderful air of a no-nonsense friendship. And in 2004, she landed the role of Stephanie in the film Sideways. It was her biggest role to date, fourth on the call sheet behind stars Paul Giamatti, Thomas Hayden Church, and Virginia Madsen. Sideways went on to gross $100 million at the box office. It was nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards and won for Best Adapted Screenplay. Sideways quickly shot to the top of her resume. But interestingly, she'd soon learn that wouldn't be the role that got her noticed. Three 
throughout pilot season. Hollywood executives can often be found on airplanes flying back and forth between Los Angeles and New York. And as it turns out, Under the Tuscan Sun was one of the in-flight movies featured on that route. So, network executives constantly making the trip took notice of O, and one of them gave her agent a call. It was writer and producer Shonda Rhimes. A few years earlier, Rhimes had written the movie Crossroads, starring Britney Spears, as well as the sequel to The Princess Diaries. And now, she had penned a hospital TV drama called Complications. Rhimes was looking to cast the role of Miranda Bailey, the fictional hospital's resident in general surgery, and she thought Sandra Oh would make a great fit. But upon reading the script, O told producers who she really wanted to play was the antagonist character named Christina. Christina was written as a, quote, blonde woman, an ambitious surgical intern who becomes best friends with the main character, Meredith. O says the character was cynical, slightly emotionally stunted, with extreme communication problems, a total slob, but entirely human and lovable. And she was cast. The pilot was picked up by ABC as a mid-season replacement for Boston Legal. And the name was changed from Complications to Grey's Anatomy. Over the next 10 years, Fulcher writes that Christina Yang got left at the altar, got married, divorced, performed surgery at gunpoint, and was stabbed by a falling icicle, all while amassing five Emmy nominations along the way. In 2006, O won a Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actress. Huffington Post called Christina Yang the, quote, best damn character on Grey's Anatomy, and Sandra Oh, a genius. Shonda Rhimes said the heart of the series was a love story between main characters Meredith and Derek. But she says the truth is, Underneath it all, it's actually the love story between best friends Meredith and Christina that stole the show. The Boston Herald called the Meredith-Christina friendship the secret core of the series. Slate, Vulture, and Entertainment Weekly all echoed the same sentiment, praising the accurate depiction of female friendship, one that takes precedent over the many romantic relationships throughout the series. O may not have been at the top of the call sheet, but she stayed true to the pact she'd made with herself. Christina Yang didn't check off her ultimate box of being the central storyteller, but she made sure she was central to the story. O says the show was revolutionary, because five or ten years prior, you'd have never seen a primetime cast that was half comprised of people of color. Not to mention, the focus of those characters wasn't their race. She said that choice by creator Shonda Rhimes changed television. Rhimes, who became the first African-American woman to create and executive produce a top 10 network series, says she just wanted to create a world that looked like the one she knew.
in 2011, during Grey's Anatomy's seventh season, someone snuck O a top-secret script. But it wasn't for Grey's. It was for a brand new show Rhymes was working on called Scandal. O poured over the pages and fell in love with the main character, Olivia Pope, the lead of a fascinating new series that, if it was anything like Grey's, would be a runaway success. So she began lobbying Rhymes to cast her. But Rhymes quickly shut that plan right down. While O might have been amazing as Olivia Pope, Rhymes needed her to stay put on the Grey's Anatomy lot and play Christina. It was disappointing. Olivia Pope could have been her first starring role. The part would eventually go to Carrie Washington. And O was right. Scandal did become a runaway success. By 2013, O was reportedly earning $350,000 per episode on Grey's Anatomy. And the following year, after 10 seasons playing Dr. Christina Yang, O decided to hang up her stethoscope. Her character left the hospital to start a new life as a director of cardiothoracic surgery in another country. It was a difficult decision, but O said it was time to move on. O says after her Grey's days, she was by no means drowning in offers. She says sometimes Hollywood is like a bad boyfriend. You can be stuck there waiting for him to text you, or you can just go out and make things happen on your own. So she took on a handful of smaller, more personal projects. She did a play, and she began voicing animated characters. But in the anomaly that is Hollywood, four years went by without the prospect of another major role. Despite a full decade beaming into the homes of 15 million viewers per week as Christina Yang. Then, one day in 2017, a script landed on her doorstep. It was the pilot of a new television show written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, the brilliant English writer and creator of the hit show Fleabag. The title on the front page said, Killing Eve. It was a British spy thriller where the lives of a security operative and an assassin become inextricably linked. And Waller-Bridge wanted O specifically. So after she read over the script, O called her agent and asked, So, what's the part? Her agent said, Eve. Sandra, it's the lead character, Eve. In that moment, O says she realized just how deeply she'd internalized the idea that an Asian character could never play a lead role. So many years of rejection and sideline parts had actually brainwashed her into thinking she wasn't worthy. Eve wasn't just central to the telling of the story. She was the central storyteller. O says Asian representation has a long way to go. But landing this role, being sought out for this role, one that isn't based on checking a diversity box or perpetuating an Asian stereotype, but one based on her abilities was beyond gratifying. Her entire career, built upon supporting roles, 
had led to this moment, and she said it was about time. In 2018, just before her 47th birthday, Killing Eve premiered on BBC America, with O listed as the title character and executive producer. That year, Sandra O oh won a Screen Actors Guild Award, a Critics' Choice Award, and a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a TV Drama. And she'd go on to receive five more Emmy nominations. Recently, O oh posted a picture to her Instagram. It showed her mom and dad standing in front of a massive billboard for Killing Eve, featuring their daughter front and center. They were smiling. The caption read, Proud Immigrant Parents. It just took me 30 years. No successful career is one long string of green lights. It's a mix of hard work, rejection, luck, and brave choices. Sandra Oh made her first brave choice when she went against her parents' wishes. The pressure to pursue a traditional career was enormous. It wasn't just a difficult decision for Oh, it was a painful one. When she gets her first audition for a leading role in The Diary of Evelyn Lau, she makes another brave choice. To lay on the floor in front of the casting directors and lay there for a full 10 minutes before reading her lines. You can only imagine how good O's audition must have been for the director to get past that floor moment. Then, just as she begins to land leading roles, she decides to leave Canada. Being a woman of color, it's almost impossible to get into the rooms of the Hollywood decision-makers. In spite of that, O makes a life-altering decision. She chooses not to accept any more insignificant roles or roles that perpetuate Asian stereotypes. Let's put that choice in context. When she makes the decision to only pursue roles that are central to the storyline, she's not only turning down audition opportunities, she's turning down paychecks. As Nick Offerman said in a past episode, those small day roles not only pay the rent, One small role in a big show can pay the rent for six months. But Sandra Oh decided she would rather struggle than settle. That decision, that brave choice, would eventually lead to Under the Tuscan Sun, which would eventually lead to Grey's Anatomy. But her steadfast search for a leading role would eventually lead Oh to make the difficult decision to leave that hit show. It would take four full years, but that choice would pay off. A critic recently said that O's portrayal of Eve in Killing Eve was quietly revolutionary acting in a quietly revolutionary series. In Killing Eve, an Asian woman is not only central to the storyline, she is the storyline. When Sandra Oh became the first woman of Asian descent to be nominated for a leading role at the Emmys, she made history. A moment built on a history of hard choices. 
Her date for the Emmys that night? Her beaming parents. Never, ever give up. Sandra O. Oh. Golden Globe Awards, 2. Emmy nominations, 12. Inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame, 2011. Given the key to the city of Ottawa, 2013. Have some fire. Be unstoppable. Be a force of nature, and don't give a damn about what anyone thinks. Dr. Christina Yang. The Rejection Podcast is an apostrophe podcast production and is recorded in an Airstream mobile recording studio. This series is hosted and written by me, Sydney O'Reilly. Research, Allison Pinches. Director, Callie O'Reilly. Engineer, Jeff Devine. Producer, Debbie O'Reilly. Theme music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. Major sources for this episode are listed in the show notes on our website, apostrophepodcasts.ca slash rejection. We regret to inform you that we're on social. Follow us at apostrophe pod. Rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. And while you're there, let us know of any rejection stories you'd like to hear. This series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. See you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm being completely honest now, okay? Homelessness makes me uncomfortable. But then I think, at least it's not sleeping on the sidewalk with everything I own uncomfortable. Don't let homelessness assumptions get in the way of homelessness solutions. Go to canadacandoit.ca. Help the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness.